Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noah. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. In previous episodes over the years, we have covered aspects of uh, quite a controversial organization that's familiar to all of our longtime listeners. That is the Church of Scientology, the concept of Scientology in general. You'll note we did a previous episode, several YouTube videos on something called Operation Snow White. Uh, We've also delved into similar waters in the past, but uh, today we are immensely fortunate to be speaking with someone who has extensive first-hand experience. As we always say, we like to go to primary sources when possible. And that is why today we are, uh, I'll say it, we are over the moon to speak with Mike Render, a former senior Scientology executive, as well as the co-creator of the new podcast, Scientology Fair Game. Mike, thanks so much for hopping on the show with us today. Oh, you're very welcome, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, As 
one of my friends said, this is four white males all in one, all in one location. <laughs> right. And, she, and uh, she, she said, yes, but they're good white males. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I think I know. I think I know who you're talking about. And uh, and uh, technically, we're uh, if you look at the four of us in aggregate, we're mostly white. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, splitting splitting hairs aside, you know, Mike, this podcast is doing some tremendous work in terms of clarifying questions people outside of the organization have had, uh, correcting some myths, and giving an inside look into Scientology that many people would not have otherwise had the chance to experience or learn about. So one of our first questions for today is, um, well, it's a little bit of a loaded question, perhaps. Uh, what was your inspiration for the creation of Scientology Fair Game? And could you tell us a little bit about how it came about? Sure. Um, really, the inspiration was COVID nineteen. <laughs> I know that that that's a sort of a wise guy answer, but the truth of the matter is, after the end of the Scientology and the aftermath, which was the TV show that Leah and I had done, we wanted to continue to move into new areas and to explore things in more depth and to be able to, to cover some of the ground that we just were not able to cover on that program. And initially, our thought was, well, we'll just do another TV show. And then the COVID hit. And there was no way of doing a TV show. And someone suggested to us, you know, you guys should start doing a podcast. And, you know, I already have a blog that I do every day. And Leah was like, well, this sounds interesting. Do you think that we can do it? I said, well, yes, it's great because we can do it from home. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't need a shoot crew. We don't need a whole bunch of people. We can just sit down and interview people or talk amongst ourselves and cover a lot of stuff that we haven't been able to cover before. So I, I guess it's not an incorrect answer to say that it was the pandemic that was the inspiration, but it, it really is simply our desire to keep chipping away at this monolithic monstrosity that is Scientology by providing more and more information in whatever forum we can. And this is a great one. We're thoroughly enjoying doing this podcast. I have a, I have a terrific time because we get to chat with people and there's sort of no, no real restrictions or limitations. You don't have, oh, we've got to get in six minutes before the next ad spot and we've got a you know it oh, yeah. has to be a, a 43 minute program that like broadcast television has got a lot more things that people don't even realize who haven't ever done it oh for sure 
I, uh, I don't think you're alone in uh, COVID being a, an inspiration to start a podcast. <laughs> it seems like there's been sort of a, a podcast golden age that has sprung up around around COVID for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been an interesting time. And happy that uh, that this led to this podcast uh, for, from you and, and Leah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the practice of fair gaming and the idea that sort of led to the title of the podcast and where you kind of fit into that in terms of the organization? And just give listeners a little bit of a background about this practice and uh, where you kind of fit in. Sure. Fair gaming is or is a term that was coined by L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, for the activity of dealing with the enemies of Scientology. And L. Ron Hubbard, like all cult leaders, had a proclivity to uh, designating an us versus them world and that there was always some monsters out there that are out to get us Scientologists and those monsters have to be vanquished and the practice in Scientology is called fair game and it really means to do anything necessary to obliterate that which is perceived to be an enemy. And Scientology loves to say, well, fair gaming has been fair game. The term fair game has been canceled. And that actually is true. L. Ron Hubbard issued a policy letter. But, uh, policy letter is the, the official Scientology um, documents and writings of L. Ron Hubbard that are considered to be scripture of the religion. And I use religion in, in quotation marks and church in quotation marks. You can't see me doing that because you're only hearing me, but <laughs> this is my quotation marks, just like that. <laughs> yes. Um, and this is the scripture of Scientology. And Hubbard fancied himself as uh, as many things. I mean, he claimed to be everything from a master photographer to a master mariner to a horticulturalist to a great researcher to a philosopher to a race car driver to a, like anything and everything. But one of the things that he claimed to be was an intelligence officer in from naval intelligence during the war. And that he had studied uh, all the uh, the arts of intelligence, and that he was an expert on covert operations and black propaganda, and all of these things. And he wrote extensively in Scientology about how you go about employing all these techniques to destroy your enemies. And I'll just go back because I mentioned that he said that he had canceled this fair game. Yes, he laid out all of these dictates on how you go about destroying someone, and he called it fair game. But then that became public and created some media flaps back in the 60s. So he wrote a policy letter that said, cancellation of fair game. And it, I'm going to quote this, paraphrase it, but it's almost verbatim. The use of the term fair game is canceled. It brought about bad public relations. So we will no longer use the term, but nothing about how we treat enemies of Scientology changes. So Scientology comes out routinely and says, 
We don't do fair game. It was canceled by L. Ron Hubbard. Fair game is dead. Fair game doesn't exist. Fair game this, fair game that. So Leah and I went, you know what? We're going to call our show Fair Game just to stick oh, it. Oh, man. So that it, it, you know, we know that that's a bunch of bullshit and we're not going to subscribe to the lies and the obfuscation and the misdirection and whatever that Scientology likes to engage in. And you asked me also, Noel, what's my involvement? Well, my involvement is... Well, you were, you were one of the vanquishers, I mean, essentially. Co- correct. You- <laughs> I, I was, for almost two decades, the head of what is called the Office of Special Affairs of Scientology. And the Office of Special Affairs is the Department of Scientology designated with the responsibility of destroying the enemies of Scientology. So that was also my job. Also known as SPs, yes. correct? Suppressive persons, SPs. And I went from destroying SPs to being the SP to be destroyed. Oh, I want to I want to talk more about that, but the first thing that comes to mind is the vocabulary. Um, Mike, I don't know if you've seen that show, The Vow, that's on HBO Max right now. Oh, it's wonderful! And in fact, we interviewed Mark Vicente last week on our podcast. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, you I guys, didn't even you should that. listen to it. It's it's an amazing episode because the parallels between Keith Ranieri and Nexium and Scientology are astonishing. Well, what I wanted to get to yeah. are the, the similarities, because as I'm watching that show and thinking about Scientology and what we've learned on this show in the past, something that really struck me were those similarities you're talking about. And one of the big things that I noticed is this, uh, on the surface, a self-improvement program uh, for the individual, right? And it's aided introspection appears to be the way that you get to that better place and you see improvement, but both have this extremely insular vocabulary. Um, and I just wanted to know in your experience, how does having a very, like a large modified vocabulary, how does it affect the way you think on a regular basis? Oh, that is such an amazingly incredibly smart question that no one has ever asked me before. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Seriously, this is, this is not unique to Scientology. If you now study all high control organizations or cults, you will find that terminology that limits understanding to A confined group of people is an important aspect of keeping them under under your thumb and control. It makes outsiders all outsiders who are uninformed and incapable of understanding and insiders all smarter than everybody else because they're the only ones that really understand. And what's so fascinating about Nexium is the terminology that Keith Ranieri stole from Scientology is identical. They talk about technology and levels and <laughs> ethics. Yeah. They have disconnection. They, I mean, it's, it's a crazy amount of parallels between Scientology and Nexium. 
The big screw-up that Keith Ranieri made was he did not turn it into a religion. He should have. He should. He could have taken all the money, just like Scientology does. He could have had all the power he wanted, and he would have had the protection of the First Amendment in the United States. And that protection is, is almost like being a Superman. You can walk through walls and do all sorts of things that mere mortals are unable, incapable, or illegal to do and get away with it. And that, I think, was ultimately the downfall of Keith Ranieri. If he had had the Bronfman millions to wage a legal war on the basis that he was practicing a religion and that his adherents were following religious beliefs and practices, he probably would not be in prison right now. Wow. Or or paying taxes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, 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 you know, Ben, you say that, and, and that is true. But from my perspective, I have always argued that the more important thing about tax exemption for Scientology was not that they could, they didn't pay taxes. Yeah, that sucks. Every, every citizen of the United States is subsidizing Scientology. I mean, that is a fact. But Scientology could pay that. They got plenty of money. They got $3 billion. They could pay taxes. More importantly, two things. One, with religious status from the IRS comes no government oversight. Scientology and religions do not have to file any record of what they spend their money on, how much they make, whether they're spending all to hire private investigators to go around and and destroy people's lives or lawyers to, to just fuck with people for the sake of fucking with them. And secondly, when you walk into court and you tell a judge, uh, Your Honor, I am sorry, you are forbidden by the First Amendment, by constitutional law, from engaging even in an inquiry into whether our practices are appropriate or not, because there is a complete separation between courts and religion. You can't go there. It works. It works all the time. Scientology has made it well. I help make it work. It works and it prevents courts and law enforcement from taking action where they otherwise would. And so Keith Ranieri made a big screw up because he should have turned himself into another L. Ron Hubbard messiah. That leads me to a question was on my mind, Mike. Um, as some of our listeners are who are familiar with your work may know, uh, and what I think Matt or Noel alluded to earlier, uh, you were a former uh, senior Scientology executive. I think a lot of people don't understand. Like senior can mean a lot of things, but I think a lot of people don't understand the specifics of it until you've laid out the Office of Special Affairs and such. This one thing that hit me. Uh, when I was learning more about your experiences, is that you actually joined Sea Org. Uh, sea Org itself being uh, one of the, 
I think we're, for outsiders to Scientology, that that's one of the organizations or one of the arms of the of Scientology that really baffles a lot of people. You know, you hear stories of folks signing billion year contracts. Uh, you hear about L. Ron Hubbard, I guess also known as the Commodore at times, uh, living in international waters to avoid uh, certain legal implications. Was Hubbard on Sea Org or on Apollo specifically to avoid uh, legal problems with the IRS or were, were there other world governments involved or, or what what led him and then ultimately you to Sea Org? Okay, that's a compound question. <laughs> Uh, counselor, yes. count, counselor, that's a compound question, <laughs> that's but true. I, yes. I will endeavor to answer it. Okay. First of all, the C organization is probably best analogized to an order of the Catholic Church like or the Vatican. This is the most dedicated people in Scientology who live, work, eat, sleep, and, and do every other activity within the confines of the Scientology organization. They are 24-7, 365 days a year, full-time Scientologists working for Scientology. And it's not just stories. Every Sea Org member has to sign in order to join up with the Sea Org a contract for a billion years. Yes, that's right. B with a B billion. And L. Ron Hubbard started the Sea Organization in 1967 after he had been Effectively, he was living in England at the time. He had gone to Rhodesia because he believed that he had been Cecil Rhodes in a previous lifetime. He had gone to Rhodesia to reclaim his country, but had gotten kicked out of the of Rhodesia and then return, tried to return to England where he was living. And the government there had effectively banned him from re-entry into the United Kingdom and told him his visa was being denied for extension. He was already in trouble with the FDA in the U.S. and the IRS in the U.S. So he went, okay, I'm going to go buy a boat and sail around in international waters where I am out of the jurisdiction of any specific government. The only problem with that is, though, when you're sailing in international waters, that's true. As soon as you get to a port, you are definitely in the jurisdiction of the government. And he went to Greece and got thrown out of Greece. He got thrown out of Spain. He got thrown out of Morocco. He got thrown out of Portugal. I mean, it was sort of one thing after another, but he believed that this was the way to stay out of trouble with government agencies and authorities. And to some extent, that worked for a number of years because he was able to move from one place to the next to the next and sort of out of, out of this hot water, jump into the next pot, and then that would eventually boil over and then jump into the next one. Until in 1975, he sort of went, well, actually, what happened was he had a heart attack in 1975, and I was on board the ship with him in Curacao, and the medical care there wasn't what he thought it was necessary, so he decided, have to go back to the U.S. So 
we all ended up coming back to the United States and and taking up residence in Clearwater, Florida, which is still the, quote, spiritual headquarters of Scientology in the world, Clearwater, Florida. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with more from Mike Render. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. And we're back with our conversation with Mike Render, formerly of the Church of Scientology. You you knew Hubbard. I mean, you you were in the church from a very early age, and you got connected at a relatively high level pretty early. Uh, I think in your teens, uh, you were on that ship and you knew L. Ron Hubbard himself. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be from being in Australia uh, raised Scientologist and then being on this ship in international waters with this, you know, science fiction writer come religious guru? Yes, I can. Okay. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, no, the, the, the truth of the matter is 
being raised a Scientologist as a it's sort of like the the old idea of uh, of families in the Catholic Church sending their oldest son to to the Vatican to to serve and ultimately hopefully rise to the level of being a, a bishop or whatever. That really was my idea when I was growing up was eventually the most important thing for me to do. And what I aspired to do was to work with L. Ron Hubbard. Like this is in, in the mind of a Scientologist, this is like sitting at the feet of Buddha. This is like going and, and being personally with the, with the, the ultimate authority and transcendental brilliant mind of the universe and for a a young Scientologist and a Scientology family that was kind of oh that's pretty cool if you can pull that off there's not many who do there were only you know 250 people on that ship with L. Ron Hubbard that was it that was 250 people in the entire world who got to learn at the feet of the master and so it was a it was a privilege and an honor and uh made the family proud that I went off to do you know serve my time with L Ron Hubbard and he was a he was an enigma in many respects you know you read a lot, uh, you know, since I left Scientology, I have read a lot and I read a lot about, you know, personality disorders and sociopaths and psychopaths and this and that. There are a lot of people and they have very definite characteristics that are, that are chartable and documentable and they all have them. And Hubbard was, uh, on one side, astonishingly charming. I mean, he had uh, the ability to charm people and tell stories and be very gregarious and funny and and endearing almost. And on the other side, it was like the, the Jekyll and Hyde. He was like a raging lunatic. And it's it's interesting that when at least in my experience you you are associated with those people and and it's funny because you know some of the books talk about this you tend to look at others as you see yourself and so you look at someone and, and they're uh, they're like a they tell jokes and they're kind of nice and they they ask how you're doing and are you well, which was like a Hubbard sort of trait and, you know, being very solicitous and you know, almost self-effacing and then turning into a rage monster and you go, <laughs> well, I guess he just was a little upset that, like, you excuse it because you don't believe that that's the real person. You believe that that's the anomaly and that the real person is the good part because that's how good people are. And that's how you look at others sort of through your own lens. And it takes quite a lot 
when particularly when you've been raised to believe that someone is like the guru and has the answers to everything in life and has discovered things that nobody in the history of the universe has discovered before to shake off the idea that they could that that the bad that you are seeing is really bad and that it's not just uh, an anomaly and and so you know like I said, Hubbard was an enigma. You, anybody that you talk to that actually met the guy will tell you, my God, he was charming. He was larger than life. He walked into a room and the room lit up and he was amazing and there were all this sort of stuff. And then... Did you ever feel like maybe it was your, like, oh, I don't want to displease him. I don't want to bring out that angry side. It could be my fault. Maybe I did something wrong. Oh, of course. And that's a that's a... A fundamental principle of Scientology. I was even going to get to that, Noel. A fundamental principle, and Hubbard was a genius in developing a lot of the things that he did in Scientology, because the idea in Scientology is that you are responsible for everything about your state of being. And if good things happen to you, it's because you're good. But if bad shit happens to you, it's good things happen to you, it's because Scientology taught you how to how to experience the good. If bad stuff happens to you, it's because of your own evil transgressions, violations of the mores of the group. And if you look inside your own head, and figure out what it is that you have done that has caused this bad shit to happen to you, it will all resolve. So you look and you go, oh my God, the old man is really, he's really pissed. He's upset at me. (laughs) What did I do? How did I cause that to happen? And that is probably the biggest trap of Scientology. You look around because... David Miscavige has a lot less redeeming qualities than L. Ron Hubbard. He's got a lot a lot more bad uh, traits and a lot less sort of um, charismatic, nice things that you could say about him. And you look around, you go, but there's people there that have been there for 20 years and he's beating them and he's abusing them. He spits on them. He calls them names. He curses them out. He has them dig shit out of the the toilets, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why do they put up with it? The reason they put up with it is because they have been indoctrinated to believe because they're somehow bad and they haven't discovered what their evil is yet. But if they keep working at it, they'll get there. Right. They're they're being punished uh, for a reason. Uh, you, You know, you said something you said two really interesting things previously, Mike, where you said uh, you alluded to something called the prison of the mind uh, for for people who are practicing Scientology. And then you had also said, and I won't do a compound question this time, promise. You had also said that he, uh, that David Miscavige in, in particular uh, seemed kind of like a, an anomalous nutcase until you read a book called uh, The Sociopath Next Door. Was that the correct one? Yes. Brilliant book by Martha Stelt, Dr. Martha Stelt. Yeah. And from what we understand uh, about the good and the bad of Scientology, the idea is that one should one should be able to control one's emotions. So isn't that 
kind of a contradiction that he would be so filled with rage? It's a complete contradiction. And it's a contradiction for another reason. And, and th- there is tons and tons and tons of contradictions in Scientology. You don't see them until you get out. But think about this. What I just told you about the, the idea that when something bad has happened to you, it's because of your evil doing for everybody except the guy at the top. For the guy at the top... His upset or bad stuff happening to him is because everybody else is doing bad stuff to him. For everybody underneath, what's bad stuff happening to them is because of what they did. When it comes to David Miscavige or L. Ron Hubbard, no, that, that rule suddenly goes out the window. That rule becomes David Miscavige is being abused by his subordinates. They are seeking to upset him. They are destroying him. And they must look inside them, their hearts and their minds to figure out why they are seeking to destroy this great man. And that was the same with L. Ron Hubbard. And you're exactly right, Ben. The idea that you fly off into rage and start beating the crap out of people is the example of the pinnacle of the Scientology world, that this is what, this would be like, you know, the Dalai Lama, the stories start coming out about the Dalai Lama, that, you know, he's got a, a, a sword set in his, in his place over there, and when someone displeases him, he chops their fingers off, you know, like, it's just it doesn't it doesn't match up with what is presented to the world that Scientology teaches you and processes you if you pay enough money to eradicate irrational misemotional responses to the stimuli of the world and it's a huge contradiction absolutely we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back very shortly. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. and we're back okay so <laughs> i think that right there i i, I haven't I, honestly i have not listened to much of your your show scientology fair game yet I, I cannot wait to but i imagine that you guys get into quite a bit of discussion about uh david and uh a lot of that on your show would that be correct yes absolutely that okay that's awesome uh again just from a group of guys who've been making a show for a long time. That sounds like a terrifying thought. Just when you think about um, possible, you know, the, the things that Scientology has done in the past with its first amendment rights and uh, large bags of money that they have. Um, but I want to, I want to talk specifically about you uh, an experience that your co-host of Scientology fair game, Leah Remini had uh, at one point in her life, she was f- well, I guess, I don't know if force would be the correct word. She was told to go to a facility in Clearwater, Florida that you mentioned for a thing that was termed reprogramming. Can can you talk to us about what that term means within the context of Scientology? Yes. I, I, I'm going to try and do this without using too much Scientologies in, in the description. But Leah made the mistake of questioning uh, the judgment and activities of Tom Cruise and David Miscavige. And for that, that is a, a mortal sin in the world of Scientology. She was told that she must go to the facility in Clearwater at her own expense, and it ultimately cost her $300,000. Yes, $300,000 to receive this Scientology auditing and auditing in Scientology is, is, you know, what the, the term that is used to describe Scientology counseling. And it is done with a, a this like little e-meter that's sort of like a little lie detector. You hold these two cans and it registers and the person that's doing on the other side sort of goes, oh, you've got this or, you know, tell me about that or whatever. Yeah, I want to know. And it was to get her to effectively admit that everything, every critical thought, every criticism that she had 
was stemmed from something that she had done. And it's exactly what I was telling you before. This is a very, very, very fundamental concept in Scientology. It's not just if bad stuff happens to you. If you talk shit about someone, it's because you've done bad things to them. So it's it's the idea that you're critical of someone because you have done something to hurt them or harm them in some way, so now are seeking to make less of them so that you can make it seem that what you are doing and saying is correct. It, it's... That, the the problem with it is, and this is the problem with a lot of Scientology, there is some fundamental truth to these things. There is some kernel of truth. There is not a lot in Scientology that is just sheer bullshit. There is a lot that is take a thing and turn it into something uh, with a, a twisted logic that changes actually what it in what it started out being into something that is almost diametrically opposed and you see that in the vow too you see how ranieri managed to twist things that had some fundamental concept or idea in it like being living up to your word and turned that into being a slave now how you get from one to the other is kind of astonishing, but he managed to convince plenty of people to do it to the point where they were calling up and asking, am I allowed to eat another 13 calories, master? That is that is crazy. But just like Scientology, something there was some fundamental principle that you could agree with or a truth that you could agree with that then gets built upon and built upon and sort of interpreted and twisted. And that's what happens with these concepts in Scientology. And that's what Leah was doing there for all that time was until she had found something that explained every single critical thought or comment she had made she was not free to go. This hits on another thing that's um, that's been often talked about, again, from outside reports and often from former members of the organization, which is the idea of essentially being held against one's will, uh, being allowed to go. Uh, it makes me think specifically of the news that we hear every so often about David Miscavige's uh, spouse, who has been out of the public eye for quite a long time. Mike, is is it true that this organization has or does hold people against their will, or is it more of like an emotional peer pressure? Okay. Yes, this organization does hold people against their will. They can be forcibly held and restrained and prevented from leaving. And I have seen that happen, and it is certain or people locked in a room and not let out that sort of stuff but that's not really what the problem is the problem is people being held based on their will because their will has been bent and they believe that what they are doing is ultimately going to be their salvation that 
And, and, you know, Larry Wright, in his brilliant book, Going Clear, that he subtitled Scientology and the Prison of Belief, because that's what it is. This is the Stockholm Syndrome. This is the idea that you can change someone's thinking to the point where they believe that staying is best for them, even if staying means being locked in a room and sleeping on the floor and being tortured every day and, you know, like crazy stuff. But you, it, this is not limited to Scientology either. You know, look at the people that were at Jonestown. Look at the people that are in fundamentalist Mormon, you know, Warren Jeffs turning the kids over to some weirdo pervert to be to become their sex slaves. I mean, this is and this is a concept that is very very difficult to to persuade anybody to act upon. And what I mean by that is so often you see um people seeking justice for what has been done to them. And courts and law enforcement don't recognize that twisting someone's mind is like, is just, is just as, as damaging and intrusive and, and inappropriate than twisting their arm. But, because it's not a physical, you know, there's no physical assault and the law is about assault and battery, there's no law about assault and battery of the mind. And so a lot of this stuff goes and, and you know, people don't, courts don't know what to do with it. Do, do they believe that someone was brainwashed? Do they buy into the idea that such a thing as brainwashing exists, even if you call it by another name? Don't call it brainwashing, mental coercion, whatever. Is that something that is actionable? Is that something that you can do something about? Can you prove it? It's, but believe me, it is way, way more damn. You can recover from a twisted arm. It's much harder to recover from a twisted mind. Well, and you can also take a photograph of a bruise and enter it into an exhibit in court. You can't take a photograph of a of a damaged mind or even prove the burden for proving like pain and suffering or psychological damage so much higher than being able to say this person punched me and here's the proof. Here's a Polaroid and it's done. You know, you can't do it. Um, and, and, and this, this leads to, I mean, quickly, just to follow up, you clearly, you and Leah were able to disconnect, you know, and, and go on with your lives, uh, you know, but still that has resulted as you being top listed people of folks who can threaten the church. I mean, you know, that to me is, is easy. Again, it's the mind it's the twisting of the mind to believe that you are foregoing your eternity, that if you, if you walk away from this, you're losing your family, you're losing your friends, you're losing everything that you've ever known, that if there's something, I mean, these guys managed to compartmentalize. I've heard John Travolta say this often. Well, you know, I don't know everything that's going on. Bullshit. I don't know everything that's going on. Uh, 
not really. Uh, I don't know everything that's going on, but what I do know is that Scientology has helped me. So why wouldn't I continue to participate in something that has helped me? And that is a pretty unassailable position to take because who are you to say, well, it hasn't helped you. Look at you, dummy. It hasn't helped you. But it is also, uh, you can ask John Travolta, well, have you watched the aftermath? Did you read the, did you read? the article in the Tampa Bay Times? Have you read Lawrence Wright's book? Why would I do that? Why would I want to read bad stuff about something that has helped me? And this is another thing that Scientology and Nexium and everyone else has made a very, uh, a, a sort of a study of how do you persuade people not to look at anything bad about you? How do you persuade them that it is harmful to them spiritually if they look at something bad? It's going to detract from their progress in Scientology and ultimately, code, code, cost them more money to have to undo the bad effects of that on them. And and when I'm saying to you this, realize for a Scientologist, if they go read Us Magazine and there is a negative story about Tom Cruise in there or Leah Remini is interviewed in Us Magazine, they are going to have to go in and pay for the auditing that unburdens them of the horrible sin of having looked at something negative about Scientology because that's regressed them in their progress. So many questions. We may not get to all of them, but this reminds me, Mike, of the massive uh, dump of internal documents from WikiLeaks a few years back, which I know was a huge deal uh, inside the organization, I can only imagine, but definitely outside the organization. And uh, we were stunned when we realized that people who were in the organization were being told, look, this is out there, but don't read it. You know what I mean? Treat it as though it doesn't exist. And uh, I, I, I see now the financial incentive inherent there. Um, you had earlier said Scientology is worth $3 billion with a lack of oversight. Uh, do people ever reach a point in the organization? Do they progress to a point where they're no longer being asked to pay money for audits or anything like that. Oh, oh I wish everybody no. could see my face right now. <laughs> no, we'll make Whoa. this the YouTube clip. This can be the YouTube clip. That's a, that's a gif. No. But this, I mean, seriously. No, no. You can reach the very top of the Scientology bridge to total freedom and then be told, oh, sorry, we found something new. You need to go back and start over. And this is something that Nixium has too. I, I was speaking to Sarah Edmondson the other day, and she told me, she said, do you know, we had to redo our training. We'd get all, we'd get our scarf or whatever those things, sash, and then they'd come out and say, oh, no, you have to go back and redo it all, and you have to pay again. And it's the same thing in Scientology. You have to redo it, and we got, we found some new 
I'm this formerly unknown piece of information from L. Ron Hubbard that was buried in someone's suitcase under their bed somewhere. And suddenly now everything that you did before has to be redone. And not only that, we now have a new fundraising program. We have to buy new facilities for every church in the world. And they, we call these ideal orgs. And Scientology has been opening these buildings around the world for the last 20 years on a theory that David Biscavich presented to Scientologists that in order for Scientology to truly expand, it had to have buildings and facilities that would allow all aspects of Scientology to be presented in an appropriate fashion for everyone. So we need new buildings and they have to be X number of square feet and it's going to cost $20 million and blah, 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 blah. So pay up. And this pay up for that and for the another thing called the International Association of Scientologists, which is a... Uh, is a scam. It's just a scam. It's like Scientologists believe that giving money to the International Association of Scientologists is helping educate children in Africa or save people from hurricanes or, you know, do good work for the the victims of an earthquake in Haiti or whatever. And it's bullshit. It does not happen. The most that happens is they go and shoot a video and then they show everybody, look at this video. We got five people in this video, but there were thousands more that you just can't see. And keep giving us money and we will give you these gaudy bowling pin, bowling trophies and start calling you Platinum Excalibur something or other or Platinum Meritorious patron of the gluteus maximus or like <laughs> it's it, it's like these bizarre absurd names and people hand over 10 50 million dollars and like i said with no oversight Scientology never has to show its books. They never have to show that. It's like that. tithing, right? I mean, isn't that basically the same thing as tithing to a church? Like, well, if you're tithing, just giving if, the money. If, there's, if tithing, yeah. well, you typically you think of tithing as like 10%. If tithing was 50, that's more the Scientology model. 50 or more. Like, Scientology is ruthless about getting money. Go take a loan. Go, you know, get cash in your your college fund get your stocks sell your stocks sell your house do whatever get us the money now because this money right now is going to save the world they've been saying that for 50 years is and things aren't going so good our conversation with mike render continues and it goes in some fascinating to a degree disturbing uh, places, uh, so much so that we did not want to cut any of it. And we have decided to make this a two-part episode. We promise that this is going to be worth it. Uh, we hope that you join us for part two of this interview, which is coming out uh, later this week. In the meantime, we highly recommend checking out Mike and Leah's new podcast, Scientology Fair Game. 
Yeah, there you can find deep dives into so many of the incredible stories that Mike and Leah have from their time in Scientology. So definitely worth uh, giving both part two of our episode with Mike and the entirety of Scientology Fair Game uh, your full attention. Absolutely. And if you want to continue the conversation that occurred here today, head on over to Here's Where It Gets Crazy, our Facebook group. You can, you know, comment in there, respond to somebody else, meet some other conspiracy realists. You will enjoy your time, we assure you, as long as you use Facebook or you're willing to, I guess. <laughs> or you can find us on Twitter where we are also Conspiracy Stuff or uh, Instagram where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Visit us on YouTube uh, while you're on the internet if you want to see our uh, excerpts from our recent episodes or if you want to see our uh, original deep cut things that are intros to rabbit holes galore, uh, including a piece on Operation Snow White, uh, which we which we may may mention uh, a little more in depth in our interview. And I think there's one called a Wednesday vlog some it has a title something like that i can't remember exactly but it's a video on that channel with ben in a parking like underground parking deck oh, where you we're were there just, too we're discussing scientology and i can't recall exactly what it is but find it oh yeah those those are the days when we were uh, we were literally sneaking around the office filming wherever we could. Uh, and you can also, uh, if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, it makes a big difference every time that there is a five-star review. Uh, our boss calls us and says that I am uh, one week further away from being fired. Yeah, and an angel gets its wings. And my son says, good job, Dad. I love you. Three amazing things that happen. You have the power. And uh, if you are anti-internet but pro-phone, boy, do we have news for you. Yeah, you can call our number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a message. You may get onto one of our new listener mail episodes that come out weekly. So uh, make sure you, you leave your name or not and tell us if you're comfortable with us using it or not. Uh, just really give us all of all your comfort level stuff, everything, uh, and and we'll we'll see what we can do. We're very very much looking forward to hearing your stories from this, especially if you have ever been involved in Scientology in one way, shape, or form, uh, ever in the past or are now. We just want it. We want to hear from you. But what do you do if you hate phones? What do you do if uh, you hate social media? It's a pressing question for our times. <laughs> Boy, is it ever. Well, there's a way. You can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.